Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Bibles, please turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Also, want to welcome uh, Dr. Barry Chant and Vanessa here with us, visiting this morning. So good to have you with us. Um, great memories of Tabor and uh, some of the things that God has done through our lives through Tabor. It's just great to have them with us today. Matthew chapter 16, and verse from verse 21. The Bible says this: From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Skip down to verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me shall find it. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your grace and mercy upon our lives. And we thank you for this gathering uh, that we can come together on this Easter Sunday to celebrate Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And as we dive into this word, Lord, I just pray that you would speak into our hearts. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Let our hearts be open to hear your voice in the midst of all uh, the words that shall be spoken, I pray in Jesus' name. We bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Father, let there be a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can understand and uh, your word even today. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. Bind every work of the enemy, every preconceived idea. We come against it in Jesus' name. Be glorified today. Accomplish your purposes. We pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak today on the subject, the power of love. Uh, Easter is a significant time in the Christian calendar. It's a time where we reflect on the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Cross speaks to us about so many things. It speaks to us about salvation, forgiveness, healing. The cross also speaks to us about the power of love to change the world. We're living in a difficult time in the world today. Politically, we are turning further and further away from God. Morally, we're ignoring the principles of Scripture. It seems like if the Bible says go this way, the world today is saying let's go the complete opposite direction. Our world is becoming more and more secular and anti-God. So the question for us is, well, how do we respond? How do we respond as Christians? How do we respond in a world that is turning further away from God? How do we change the world? How do we make a difference in the world? that we're living in today. Well, I believe the cross speaks to us about many things and it also speaks to us about how we can change the world even in the times that we are living in today. As we read in our text, Jesus was about to die on the cross and he tells his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, you want to be my disciple, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Jesus saying, if you want to be my disciple, then just like I died, something inside of you needs to die. And then come and follow me. Come and follow my example. Come and be like me. Come and do the things that I did. Watch the things that I did and do the same kind of things. So what does that mean for all of us today? Well, to understand what Jesus was saying, we need to get an understanding of what was happening politically, economically, religiously at the time of Jesus. Politically, politically, Rome was in power and the Caesars ruled the world. 
They ruled with power, force and fear. The Jews were living in a time where they were politically oppressed. Poverty was everywhere because of the exorbitant taxes that we were being put on the Jews. People lived in fear because they could be killed for any and every reason, depending on what Rome was thinking or feeling or the Caesars were thinking and feeling at the time. So how did the Jews respond to this political oppression and environment that they were living in? What did the Jews try and do to change the world as they knew it? Well, interestingly, there were various religious groups who tried to change the world. Each had a different approach to how they thought they could make a difference in the climate that they were living in. And into this scene, Jesus is born and lives among the Jews and his message is different. Jesus challenges both the political powers of Rome and he also challenges the religious powers and he calls them to a completely different way of life. He calls them to live a life of love, which is exemplified in the cross. Apostle John says, this is how we know what love is. Do you want to know what a great example of love is? Just look to Jesus who laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus gave an example of what love looks like. And we ought to do the same. So what does that look like? So I kind of want to unpack this thought today and I want to begin by looking at the three Jewish religious groups and how they have responded to Rome because I believe it kind of speaks into our own lives even today and how we should respond within the context of the world that we are living in today. The first religious group that existed at the time were the Zealots. The way the Zealots dealt with the oppression of Rome was to rebel and revolt. The Zealots wanted to establish the kingdom of God on earth. That what they wanted was actually a good thing. They said the way things are at the moment isn't good. We've got to change the way things are. But the way they wanted to achieve the goal was through force and revolt. These were the freedom fighters of the day. These were the, the terrorists of the day. They believed that the kingdom of God came when enough people got angry, when enough people stood up, fought against the prevailing powers. The way Rome controlled the people was through power, force and fear. The zealots believed, well, we're going to do the same. We need to get better weapons, more powerful weapons. We will show them. We will beat them. We will fight on the beaches. We will fight on the landing strip. We will never, ever surrender. They believe the way you overcome evil is with more evil. You just need to be bigger and stronger and more powerful and smarter than your enemy. You just need to outwit your enemy. They've got big guns, you need to get bigger guns. Because that's how we're going to defeat the enemy. And then comes Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Well, think about what the Romans and the Jews and hell threw at Jesus at the cross. They tortured him. They beat him up. They spit in his face. They put a crown of thorns and they forced it onto his head. And then they treated him like a criminal crucifying him to a cross. What would you have done if you were Jesus? What would you have done if, if, if they did that to you? Jesus, who could have called a legion of angels to come down and, and deal with the, with the soldiers and the people that were doing this to him. Jesus, who could have, in, a, in, a, um, in an instant, could have called fire down from heaven and zapped them in the name of Jesus. Real question is, what did Jesus do? Jesus turned that same instrument of pain into an instrument of love. And grace 
and accept them. While Jesus was hanging on the cross and he could see the people that had done to this, this to him, what was Jesus' response? He said, Father, forgive them because they haven't got a clue what they're doing. I don't know about you, but they would have been the last words on my mouth. I would have said, Father, just remember these guys. Remember their names. Remember what they look like. Jesus says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And then nailed uh, to, the, to one of the other crosses was a thief. He was being punished for what he should have been punished. He should have, he deserved the cross. He should have been there. How does Jesus respond to that person there? Jesus says to him, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus' response while he was hanging on the cross was love and grace and acceptance. Because love is the most powerful weapon the Christian has at their disposal. Jesus was overcoming evil, not with more evil, but with love. And love is one of the greatest powerful, one of the greatest weapons that we have as Christians. To make the greatest difference in the world today, it's love. Sometimes we think the greatest difference that we're going to make in the world is going to be with big gifts and powerful gifts. Paul talks about them in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about all the power gifts. And then he says, now let me show you the more excellent way. He goes into 1 Corinthians 13 and he says, and he begins to talk about love. Now love is patient, love is kind. Let me show you the more excellent way. It's the way of love. It's the way of love. Now I'm not talking about the kind of love the world is speaking about today which is really just an excuse for sin. I'm talking about the kind of love that is patient and kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast. It keeps no record of wrongs. Amen? Hmm. As Peter says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. That's the natural way to respond. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Oh, I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? I tell you what it looks like. Do not repay evil with evil. <laughs> On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. We live in a world today that thinks if we're going to, be, if we're going to succeed, we need to be powerful, strong, bigger and better. Argue better, be louder, outsmart your enemy. How many people watch Survivor? How many people watch Yes. <laughs> it's just a great human experiment. Watch what happens when you put a group of people together and you put a carrot in front of them and watch what comes out of them trying to chase this carrot. And people that are normally nice and smile and, you know, just, you know, suddenly they're, they're outwitting and lying and cheating and, and they're trying to outsmart the other person so they can get the carrot. I mean, I mean, it's just an example of what happens in life. It's an example of how people think today. If you're going to get in front, you've got to be more powerful, stronger, bigger, better, smarter. Don't misunderstand me. God doesn't call us to be doormats. There is a place to stand up for, for truth. But Jesus calls us to a better way, a different way of living. You've heard it said, Jesus said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, if someone asks for your shirt, just give them, give them your jacket as well. The way the world thinks is eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, not you. 
We need to behave differently. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Anybody ever done that? Let me just see. Don't do it with me because <laughs> I ain't going to turn the other cheek. I'm, Jesus is still doing a work in my life. Because <laughs> the thing that's going to make the greatest difference in the world is love. How many people know we still get slapped around a little bit? Not so much with, we know, with, 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 a, with a hand necessarily, but people can slap us around with their words. Now, how do we respond? How do we react in those kind of situations? Jesus says, don't react. Because <laughs> the thing that's going to make the greatest difference in the world is love. Jesus said, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that sounds good. But I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Now, that's the, his teaching was radical and it was powerful. If we think that we can overcome evil with even more evil, it won't work. It won't work in marriage. Oh, you think that, do you? Well, wait, what well, I think is this. And we start going backwards and forwards. What does that do? Does that bring you closer together? Does that create more love in the relationship? No, I don't think so. It's just going to divide us even more and more and more. It's not going to work in our families. It certainly isn't going to work in traffic. You know, people cut you off and, and, and uh, you know, someone makes a mistake. Who hasn't made a mistake in traffic? Come on. Who hasn't made a mistake in traffic? People cut you off and then, and some people, they just go off. They just lose it. It's unbelievable. You know, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, and I think to myself, what were you, you, were you waiting for me? Were you ready for this? Were, like, were you planning me to cut you off? Because you just went, you know, ballistic. And, you know, I usually just smile at them and wave. <laughs> and, and they get even more angry. That's why. Well, I'm just obeying the scripture. Love your enemies. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. It's another story. Sorry. It's going to make the greatest difference in the world today is not fighting evil with more evil. What's going to make the greatest difference in the world is love. But in order for us to respond with love, something inside of us has got to die. That's why Jesus said, you want to be my disciple, Jesus said, you must deny themselves, self, selfish ambition, vain conceit, self, because self always gets in the way of love. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross, which means the only, way you, the only reason why you ever took up a cross was because you were going to die. We need to die to ourselves and then come alive to Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, and then follow me. Do the things that I did. Follow my example. Second group of religious Jews were the Essenes. They were a subgroup of the Pharisees. Their way of dealing with Rome was to withdraw and separate themselves. Many of us have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered some years ago. They were part of a community called the Qumran who were Essenes. They believed the world was corrupt and the way you dealt with the world was to withdraw. They were an exclusive Group, no one who was unclean, impure, diseased or had imperfections or were sinners uh, could join this exclusive little club. They followed the rules to perfection. 
And they saw themselves as the sons of light and everybody else were the sons of darkness. And because they were the sons of light, God one day was going to come and rescue them uh, from this perishing world and, and he was going to punish all the sinners who were really bad. Their way of thinking was, let's separate ourselves, withdraw, only use the King James Version, wear hats. We have the pure doctrine and wait for the rapture to come. And along comes Jesus. And Jesus says, well, I appreciate your passion, but there is another way. It's called the way of love. Imagine how the Essenes responded to Jesus when he healed a leper. You know, when it came to lepers, by the way, in the, in the New Testament, there were all these kind of rules about lepers. A leper, uh, uh, you know, couldn't get close to a, to, a, to a person. They had to be so many meters away from another human, human being. If, uh, and, and the Pharisees and, and these kind of people, they'd, they'd established all these rules about, about how lepers should live in a community. Uh, if, a, if a leper was getting close to, a, to another human being, they had to call out, oh, I've got COVID, I've got COVID. Hmm, it's kind of feel like that, doesn't it? So the Bible says this, he's speaking in Matthew. It says this, the Bible says, Jesus had just come down from a mountain and behold, a leper came and worshipped him. The, one, one of the gospel says, he came and fell down at his feet and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And behold, the word behold there is, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe what happened is what the word behold actually means. You're not going to believe what happened. This leper comes and he falls down at the feet of Jesus. And how did Jesus respond? Well, Jesus said to him, you're a leper. You should have been crying out, leper, leper, leper. Is that how Jesus responded? No, the Bible says then Jesus put out his hand and get, it, get, get this. And he touched him saying, I'm willing, be cleansed and immediately. His leprosy was clean. Can you imagine how the Essenes viewed that? He comes to Jesus and Jesus, he touches him and heals him. Jesus spoke with prostitutes. He went to lunch with sinners. He broke all of the religious rules. And the religious people, they murmured and they grumbled. This guy, he hangs out with sinners. Jesus was saying the kingdom of God is not built by creating a subculture of purity. It's about a group of people that are called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That where there is pain, we are called to minister healing. That where there is brokenness, minister compassion. We're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're called to live in the world, but not be of the world. Because we belong to the kingdom of light. Right from the beginning, Jesus declared what his ministry was about. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And, and it's, it was kind of like a manifesto, the mandate for Jesus' ministry. This is what I've come to do. And I want to say that nothing has changed 2,000 years later. Jesus has still come to do those very things. And it's done through people like you and me, through ordinary people like you and me. Many people know that there's more than one way to be poor. Oh, we can be poor and not actually have any money. But here's the thing, you can be rich and still be poor. You can have every single thing that you've ever dreamed of and still there's this emptiness inside of you. Jesus has come to bring good news to the poor people. 
It's come to set, set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Oh, we may not be in a jail cell, but how many people know that you can be a prisoner to addiction? You can be a prisoner to the past. You can be a prisoner to all kinds of things, to depression, anxiety, and all kinds of other issues. To, rec- to bring the recovery of sight to the blind. How many people can see with their eyes, but have said, I can't see how I'm going to get through this. I can't see a way out of this situation. I can't, I can't see how I'm going to get to the other side of this situation. Jesus calls us to minister into the situation. He is our living hope. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to bless you. He came so that you may have life and life in abundance. It's the gospel message. Jesus said, there is another way. There is another way to live and it's not a, a life of exclusivity. It's the way of love. It's the way of love. And I, and I just pray that this would become a reality in our lives. That this would become an, a reality. That when we leave here, here um, you know, today and, and we go back into our normal week, that, that God would open our eyes, that we would start to see those who are actually around us. Because for, 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 for many of us, we, we're in a workplace or wherever we might be where there are marginalized people that are kind of off in a, in a corner somewhere and we don't talk to those kind of people and so on. But I just pray that God would open up our eyes so that we see what Jesus sees and so that we could be His hands and be His feet. Third group of people with the Sadducees, their approach was not to revolt or withdraw. Their approach was to collaborate. The Sadducees were... A really happy group of people. I tried it in the first service. It didn't work. They, they just didn't, you know, didn't, didn't get it. Do, do you get it? Like Sadducees were a happy group of people. Do you get that? Yeah. Just help me a little bit. Just, come, just help me. Oh, it's outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It took me a lot of time to come up with that, guys. Come on. Their philosophy was if you can't beat them, join them. They got along with Rome. They were the tax collectors. Paid homage to Caesar. Because they collaborated, Caesar rewarded them with the positions of power. At the time of Jesus, all the high priests, chief priests were Sadducees. They were involved in the temple business, and business it clearly was. Sadducees were elite. They were wealthy. They were in the temple, but they did not have the spirit of the temple. People came to the temple to sacrifice. It was a requirement. It was the time of the Passover. And the temple officials were responsible to check the animals that were to be sacrificed as part of uh, the ordinance of the Old Testament. And, and so they had to go to a particular booth. And this is the animal that I bought. And they would check the animal out. And they would say, well, this one's not a good one. No, it's not acceptable. But you can buy this one that we have here. And the price of the animal was far more than what it was actually worth. And then there were the money changes because you had to change the money to be able to pay with the temple currency and so on and so on. And Jesus comes along and he sees all of this. And the Bible says he entered the temple and, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and, he, and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you, you're making it into a den of robbers. Gee, that doesn't look like love, does it? I thought love was mushy. We're going to talk about that next week. I thought love was mushy and nice and, you know, huggy. But here's Jesus. He overturns the tables. It is written, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you're making it a den of robbers and the blind and the lame came to him. 
at the temple and he healed them. There's a real danger in the church today that like the Sadducees, we start to say, well, if we can't beat them, let's just join them. Things are changing. We live in a different world. We, 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 can't, we can't be too dogmatic. James says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God? We don't change the world by becoming like the world. The world has changed when people come to know Jesus Christ. Not a religion, not a church. The world has changed when people experience the presence of God. The world has changed when people experience the power of God, the love of God. That's when the world has changed because it's only the power of God's love that conquers sin, that wipes out shame, that heals wounds, that reconciles enemies and ultimately changes the world one life at a time. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. There is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform the human heart. I have a psychology background. And I think psychology is amazing. Amen. I think it's okay. Some people think psychology is bad. Um, I think it's okay. Especially if it's a Christian psychologist. I think it's okay. But psychology can't change the human heart. There's a place for counseling. I believe in it fully. Bible tells us there's wisdom in counsel. But psychology can't change the human heart. No doctor can change the human heart. There's only one way that the human heart can be changed. It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never underestimate the power of God's love to change humanity. Why is this group of people getting baptized today? Because there was a day that they gave their life to Jesus Christ and their life was never the same again. And they couldn't say, well, it was because of religion, it was because of this, it was because of that. It was because of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' time, there were three ways the Jews could respond to the oppression of Rome. It was either revolt, get angry, withdraw, collaborate, Along comes Jesus, who not only confronted Rome, but he also confronted the ideology of these different religious groups. And, he's, and he was constantly calling them to a different way of life. He was saying, listen, you don't overcome evil with even more evil. You overcome evil with love. And he went about saying things like, well, just pray for your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Love the marginalized. Forgive those who hate you. The question is, well, how do you really, how does that happen really? How do you really do that? I don't want to forgive the person that's hurt me. Every cell in my body is saying, get even, get revenge. Do not forgive them. You're not going to leave them, let them off the hook. How do you do that really? There's only one way. And that is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old life is gone. New life has come. When we give our life to Jesus, we're transformed at the deepest level. And it's just not, not just a cosmetic change. It's a change. It's not just a change of religious status. It's a transformation of the heart. The best way to explain it is it's a metamorphosis. 
It's an ugly caterpillar changing into a beautiful butterfly. We've got a few beautiful butterflies here today, this morning. It's that kind of transformation. And God says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I'll remove you from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you. And move you to follow my decrees and be, and be careful to keep my laws. All we need to do is invite Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Saviour. And if, if you've never ever done that, you can do that today. Pastor Joe, how do I do that? What do I have to sign? What do I got to pay to be, become a follower of Jesus? What do, I, where do, what, what do I got to do? It's just inviting Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. It's praying a simple prayer. It's understanding that there's sin in our lives. We've got a debt of sin. It's understanding that Jesus came some 2,000 years ago and He paid the price at Calvary for that sin. He took the punishment we should have taken. It's believing that. And then number three, confessing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Paul says to the Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And it's praying a simple prayer. Lord, I, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. It's be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. You pray a derivative of that prayer. And if it comes from your heart and you believe every word that you're saying, you can experience the miracle of salvation, which is powerful. So we have a choice. You want money, power, control? Join the Romans. You want to give vent to your anger? Become a zealot. You want to have a sense of religious superiority? I'm better than everybody else? Join the Essenes. If you want comfort and ease, just become like the Sadducees. Can't beat them, join them. Jesus offers, offers us a different way. He offers us the way of the cross. And He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Something's got to die inside of us. Take up your cross and follow me, follow my example. And He goes on to say that if you do that, if, if, you, if you follow Jesus' example, you're going to find life, the kind of life you've dreamed about, hap, hap, about having. And that's what baptism is all about. It's saying the old me, the old way of doing things, the old, the old way of reacting. The old Joe Leone is going to die. It's finished. We're raised up to a new life, a new way of living. I'm going to be like Jesus. When that happens, it's going to change how we relate in our families, how we relate to our children, our spouse, how we relate to our enemies, how we drive our cars on the road. It's going to change. It's a complete transformation. Jesus not only died on the cross for our sins, He also died on the cross to show us a different way to live. That in so doing, we could change the world. Never underestimate the power of God's love to change humanity, to change the world that we're living in. In some things, after 2,000 years, there's been incredible changes. In some other ways, nothing has changed 2,000 years later. The issues 2,000 years ago are still the issues today. And the answer 2,000 years ago is still the answer today. It's Jesus Christ. He's our living hope. 
What hope do we have in the world today? I tell you, the only hope that we have today is not politics, it's not education, it's not in any other sphere. The only hope that we have in the world today is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And that's what makes Easter so powerful and so important. And I thank God that we still live in a nation. We're all over this nation. There are groups of people gathering together to worship and to glorify the name of Jesus because there is no other name under heaven which can save other than the name of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me?